Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation, and welcome inside the locker room on a Friday. As we are giddy with anticipation as week one of the NFL season is here. Wesley Euler, young Jacob Reck ah, in the locker room get, today. Over here. How about it, buddy? I, I, I think, right, this is your, is this your first? I know you've produced, obviously, in the locker room for a while. And so the listeners have heard your voice. Ah, they have. But is this the first time co-hosting the locker room? Uh, I know. This is my third time co-hosting. Oh, look at you. During training camp, uh, when Matt Williamson was out of town to be a Canton for the Hall of Fame game and the ceremonies, it was... Wolf and the Wrecking Crew, as he liked to call it, and the Young Guns. It was Wolf, love myself, and, and Tom. Love so it. This is my third time. Absolutely love it. You're a seasoned so veteran at this I'm point. I'm the veteran here yeah. at this point compared to you. Well, hold on now. I've been doing this all week. All right. I filled in plenty of times last year. We're both veterans off that rookie schneid for sure. You guys know the drill. Uh, this is our last show before game day. We want your thoughts. We want your predictions. We will read off your predictions if you tweet them to us at Wesley Euler, at Jakey Wrecked. Anyone who tweets a score prediction, all right, will get read on air sometime over the next two hours, of course, as long as you tweet us within this window of two hours. And you can always jump on the phone lines as well, 412-919-1316. Those are the digits to dial. Since it is a Friday before game day, um, those of you who are kind of familiar with what Moats and I normally do, we will have Five Star Friday, we will have the Here We Go song, but Jacob, we have to start today, and we will also have our buddy Brian Backo on the show here in about 20 minutes of the Pittsburgh post-gazette as we continue to set the scene for Steelers bills on Sunday but Jacob we have to start obviously today maybe putting a bow finally on this conversation it's been the conversation of the summer certainly as it relates to the Steelers personnel and I'm speaking of course of the contract situation the ongoing saga of TJ Watt that let me just finally let me just do an end yesterday let me just do this for us both for us both Yeah, you know what? Right? <sighs> Feels good. I mean, can, can we, st- can we, st- like, we can be honest now, right? You were sick of talking about this. I hated it. Same here. <laughs> I want to talk about Buffalo and nothing else. I want to talk about week one matchups. I want to talk about fantasy implications. I want to talk about betting. Li- Look around the league. Exactly. I, I was sick of it, Wes. I mean, you and I were sick of it. Dale Lawley, Matt Williamson, Pursuta, Tom, Crowley, we're all sick of it. It's been the same conversation. It hadn't evolved much, right? That's the that's the tough part about those stalemate type situations. Is that you kind of give your thoughts initially, and then after that, you're just regurgitating the same talking points. Mm-hmm. We are uh, thrilled to have that situation over the line. To have T.J. Watt locked up uh, in the black and gold for the foreseeable future. Now that keeps him in his prime, certainly with the Steelers. Eighty million dollars guaranteed. Big number. For a defensive player, Jacob, uh, around $28 million per, that $80 million guaranteed. But you're cool with it, right? I'm cool with it. This is, this is the NFL. This is what you have to pay 
guys like TJ Watt, and he is certainly, you know, as it feels like you're coming to the end of an era of Steelers football a little bit with, with some veterans like Ben and Joe Hayden and Cam Hayward. You need guys like TJ locked up to usher in that next era to to be one of those guys who bridges the gap, kind of like how Cam Hayward did, right from the from the Troy Polamalu mm. and, and James Harrison era into the next chapter of Steelers football. You want TJ Watt to be one of those guys who's around for that. Mm-hmm. And kind of right around that time when Troy left, this team really took on an offensive identity, and that had a lot to do with the skill and playability of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, which we had no problem witnessing, right? That that was a force to be reckoned with, one of the most prolific offenses we've seen in our lifetime. However, now at the end of Ben's career, T.J. Watt getting this deal, you kind of usher in that Steelers defensive identity. I know it's been prevalent the last couple of years, especially since the arrival of Mick Fitzpatrick, I think, really solidified that. But now when you ink TJ to this deal, making him the highest defensive player, uh, paid defensive player in this league, that you talk about solidifying an identity. Your your highest paid player on the defensive side of the football across all 32 teams is on the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is creating your identity. And I think the team around him is young enough in that post-Ben era to really bridge the gap between the the end of the Ben era and whoever the next guy can yep. be. And I'm happy to rely on TJ Watt to bridge that gap. I'm happy to see TJ Watt wear number 90 in the black and gold rather than any other team. I mean, this is a guy that people are calling a generational talent only four years into his career. And I know that may be a little early to do, especially when you consider a generational talent that's a once-in-a-generation guy, and the argument Tom made earlier this morning that that's was Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the once-in-a-generation so, guy. But So you ready for this? Moats and I had that same discussion on Wednesday, I think. Okay. Wouldn't you say that Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin are both generational exactly. talents? Wouldn't you say that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were, were generational talents? Ronaldo and Messi? Right. LeBron and Kobe playing in the same era. I mean, you can have that. Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic in tennis to keep it relevant with the U.S. Open going on right now. I mean, there are there are allowed to be more than there's not a dozen generational talents, but there's allowed to be more than one more than one per generation. So that's fair. And so I think that we the fact that we can agree upon that, you got to keep. The way the way that the Rams kept Aaron Donner, right? He had a holdout, right? You want to talk about T.J. Watts? I'm using air quotes to hold in, right? <laughs> yep. Even though he was showing up to practice every day and traveling with the team for preseason, Aaron Donald did not do that. Aaron Donald had a real holdout, but the Rams made the right deal and got and and kept him. The Steelers did the same thing; they kept him. And my favorite part about all of this is is the fact that T.J. Watts said no to his agents. He said, "I want to be here." It's crazy that they're offering me $80 million guaranteed <laughs> in money, and you're saying no. This is the team that I want to play for, and, and no one else is getting this type of money. Leave the agents at the door. Go in with yourself and Art Rooney and get the deal done, and that's exactly what he did. And it feels very T.J. Watt, right? Like mm-hmm. You know he was antsy. His, his agents, as, as every player's agents is, rightfully are telling him, hey, this is the business. It can... It can often be a standoff, right? It can kind of be a game of chicken. It can be about who blinks first. This is the business of the National Football League when it comes to contract negotiations. You know, his agents have been telling him that since July, 
right? When he was probably chomping at the bit at Heinz Field when training camp started. His agents have been preaching to him, hey, I know it's tedious, but this is the process. You have to hang serve. That's how you get the deal that you deserve. And I think for a long time, obviously, TJ did the right thing there, as he should, Jacob. Like, yeah. these guys have such a short career span. We all saw, let's not kid ourselves, how quickly it can end a few years ago with a guy like Ryan Shazier. You have a right as an athlete to maximize your earning potential. Uh, like, none of us should disagree with that. You, you never know when it's going to be taken away from you uh, in any sport, but certainly in the National Football League, the most violent of games out there. So I think for T.J. Watt, he did the right business thing for a long time by his agents, listened to their advice, again, like he should, waited, waited, waited for the proper deal to come in. And, and then that's when he kind of decided, hey, you know what? Do I really need to continue this? Do I really need to stretch this out? Do we really need to push this closer to Sunday or maybe even beyond just for a little extra money? And then I think it was TJ's turn to be like, you know what? I've gotten 90% eh, to use that number uh, of, of what I want here. Let's let's get this thing done. I, I think that is that's the balance that you want there. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't want to get taken to the cleaner if you're a TJ Watt, right? You don't want to leave all kinds of money on the table. You don't want to sign a deal that's incredibly team friendly and you're leaving, you know, your earning potential out there. At the same time, I think it works out well for the Steelers, too. Like, that, to me, Jacob, was a a real rubber-meets-the-road moment. And I think you could tell. Like, T.J. Watt's been chomping at the bit. He's a guy who's normally very active in training camp. He's a guy who takes reps in the preseason. He hasn't been that way this year. You know he was itching to go. He wants to play Sunday up in Buffalo. And so, yeah, you love that. It it is – that's how you build championship teams. If everybody just – takes a little not a lot less not completely under their value but if everybody just takes a little bit less look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that's how the Pittsburgh Penguins have sustained success Ben Roethlisberger spoke about how that was something that was cognizant in his mind right nice, when he was redoing nice little his deal self plug by Ben the other yeah, day he how, said, well, how about I gotta, that, right? I mean I took less money so that we could keep a guy like TJ Watt I mean not to be too humble or anything but that is why right Ben knows this could be the last dance here in that's Pittsburgh. That's life in salary and, cap leagues, man. And, and he wants the best team around him to give them, him and the team, the best chance to make a, a playoff run and maybe even a Super Bowl run. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Ben can recognize that and TJ can recognize that. TJ's probably, is, is this far-fetched of me to say, obviously there's a lot left of his career to be played out. Sure. But is it is it possible to say that TJ Watt's best quarterback he'll ever play with is Ben Roethlisberger? He's got a lot of football left, and we don't know the, the next guy. And it's 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 you talk about once in a generational <laughs> t- uh, uh, talent. You know, you're not trying every to get guy me in, is you're play, trying to get me in trouble here. Not Jacob. every guy is going to play 18 years with one team. It's possible the next guy up for the Steelers, not Mason Rudolph, not Dwayne Haskins, but whoever they go out and get via the draft or free agency, it's possible. I mean, anything is possible, right? To quote Kevin Garnett. Anything impossible! That's enough Boston talk for one day. That's enough for me. But I only see one scenario okay. where Ben Roethlisberger isn't the best quarterback that T.J. Watt plays with. And can I can I guess? Go ahead and guess. Is that if in the free agent market they go out and get Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. That's it. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jacob, you know me too well. That's the only way. If like two, if a year or two from now Ben retires and the Steelers somehow nab Aaron Rodgers. And I know fair. I know all our diehard Yinzers right now are saying, "Oh, Ben's got two Super Bowls. How many Aaron got?" 
Aaron All right. get one by any other metric. By any other but metric, Aaron get one here in, in Pittsburgh. I, I certainly think could. Is, is a guarantee. But, but no, uh, you're you're saying is he going to play with a future Hall of Fame quarterback? The chances of that happening are pretty rare. Let's say even if the Steelers go out after Ben and they like they've done with head coaches, right? They they nail the 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 the, the replacement. He the, the the chances that he's going to be as good as Ben Roethlisberger, two time Super Bowl champion, Early one on of the best too. rookie quarterback years we ever saw. 5,000-yard passing seasons. Yeah, especially early on. Because TJ's deal is only four years. We, we, you hope that another restructure comes or, or another new deal comes after that. It obviously won't be as lucrative as, as this one because at that time he'll be four years older than right. he already is now. And you can't be play, paying guys who are north of 30 that much money. It's just when you consider that the new guy, whoever that quarterback is, Compare that to the to the young success that Ben had. Ben had two Super Bowls in his first five years. He had three Super Bowl visits in his first what seven years in the mm-hmm. league. That does not happen. I mean, you look at you always compare guys to Dan Marino getting there in your second year and then never getting back. Ben did it three times in his first seven years. Yeah. It's taken a while to get back, but you still have the confidence that he could do it. I just think that. The the next guy you bring up, it's very unlikely he'll oh, have that three absolutely. Super Bowls in absolutely. his first seven years. So TJ's really got to recognize that, and he did. I mean, that's that's the thing is that I no longer have to speculate. Say what is what is happening? What what is keeping this deal from getting done? No, it's it's done. You can now focus all all eyes on Buffalo for for right now. Thank God because. It was driving us both insane. It was. I'm. I'm very happy to have it behind us. I'm happy that it. I just know, think it's hilarious that I was. I was talking about it just now, almost as if it still wasn't done. I was saying, "Come on, DJ. Like, well, like that's just how we've been conditioned over the whole it's, it's summer. Been. Exactly. It's what we've been talking about. It's the same story over and over. But no, like, I. It's just hilarious to me that I'm so used to talking about it. As if it's still not done, but thankfully it is. And now we can actually move past it. Got to let those wounds heal, young right, Jacob. Exactly. It's it's time to let the heart move on because TJ Watt ain't going anywhere, at least anytime soon. You know, we want your participation today on the show. We got a couple tweets already of people with their score predictions. I promise you we will read those off. Before we get out of here, you want to tweet us your score prediction. You can get on the show. You can also hit us up, 412-919-1316. We'll get to the calls here shortly on well, not on the other side, because on the other side, we're going to have Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. But if you're hanging on hold right now, stay there, because when we get done with Mr. Backo, we will get to some of the reaction on the phone lines. Young Jacob mm. and Wesley Euler in today. I mean, this is weird. Like, you're in for Moats, but we're both in for Wolf and Starks. So we're in for Wolf and Starks is who we're in for. Right. Having some fun in the locker just, room. Just a lot of depth pieces being There's, in play here. We're a lot like the Steelers' uh, offensive line, yeah. Jacob. A lot of moving parts, and we will continue to have some fun, get you ready, and we'll look ahead to Sunday up in Buffalo with our buddy Brian Backo from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on the other side. You're listening to In the Locker Room, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Back inside the locker room, presented by your neighborhood Ford store, Wesley Euler, Jacob Recht in today for Wolf and Starks. A reminder, you will have those two back next week. Moats and I will move to our noon time slot, return to our noon, noon time slot. If you're unfamiliar with young Jacob, make sure you're checking him out on the Steelers Standard 
as well. No moats today because our guy is in James Madison in Harrisonburg getting inducted into the JMU Hall of Fame. So make sure you're all tweeting your congratulations to Motsy. Joining us now as we continue to set the stage for Stiller's Bills up in Buffalo on Sunday. It's our good friend of the show, Mr. Brian Backo. He covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Brian, how we doing, buddy? Steelers practice of the week to begin here in a few minutes. And uh, I think the real action will be after practice, when we hear from Najee Harris uh, ahead of his much-anticipated NFL debut, and also the man of the hour, C.J. Watt, who will uh, talk to reporters for the first time since the day that training camp opened way back on July 22nd. I assume those of us in the uh, assembled media will have at least uh, a couple questions for him, maybe 112 of them, actually. <laughs> uh, he's savvy, that Brian Backo. Yeah, that is certainly... Um, been the t- man. That's been the topic of of the entire summer, and, and and absolutely this past week or two, getting that T.J. Watt contract over the line. I think we're all relieved to be able to put that behind us and start focusing on the games. Uh, but before we do so, right? T.J. Watt, highest paid player in the league. We saw a lot of his teammates, well, highest paid defensive player in the league. Part of me, we saw a lot of his teammates kind of opining to get that done. Right? You heard from Ben Roethlisberger. You heard from Cam Hayward. Do you think there's going to be or maybe is there already from yesterday, Brian, is there any noticeable um, change in maybe the atmosphere, the attitude, guys a little bit chipper now that that deal has gotten done, or has it been pretty much business the whole way through? No, I would say business as usual. I mean, even Wednesday when, when he did finally make his return to, to full team practices, I asked Mike Tomlin about that. He had no time for that line of questioning. Mr. Euler, uh, he shrugged that one off. Uh, pretty much immediately he said he's just watching the whole team, you know, just watching them practice as he normally does. And, uh, I mean, at that time we still didn't know. I'm sure he didn't know. TJ didn't know. Uh, none of the Steelers brass knew if they were going to have a resolution uh, on this thing. But only about 24 hours later uh, they do. So uh, I guess today, this morning, uh, when, when they hit the field to here outside of the south side, that would maybe be where you see some – celebratory type stuff. Some like jovial uh, yeah, prancing they around. Have, yeah, they might have gotten that out of their system yesterday if, if anybody was still here at the facility as a train goes by behind me. Uh, if anybody was still here at the facility when that news came across the docket, I'm sure he got a lot of pats on the back. Brian, what are you? know, you mentioned Najee Harris. I am excited to hear from him after practice today as well as he gets ready Always for his. Always good to hear from Najee. You never he's, know what he's going to say. Right? He's a good talker. He's, he's a wild card. Yeah, he's he's a good talker. He might get into doing this sports broadcasting thing when when his career is all said and done. But hopefully, that's well down the line. What are your expectations for him on Sunday? Uh, we know the talent is there, but this is obviously yeah. his first game in a new offense with a new offensive coordinator with a very inexperienced offensive line. What are realistic expectations for number 22? Yeah, man, uh, full disclosure, I, I play fantasy football just like a lot of the, a lot of my readers, a lot of your listeners. I had the sixth pick in one of my drafts with uh, 14 teams. It's, it's an absurd league. I kind of love it, but I had the sixth pick. I actually took Najee Harris. Wow. I drafted him, but, I, but the reason I say it's 14 teams, I knew he wasn't going to make, make the swing back. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I've got high hopes. For, for his production this season, but I don't think he's going to get off to a great start Sunday in Buffalo just because if you look at the matchup on paper, there's so much stacked against not this team individually, but the whole Steelers offense, really. Um, 
you know, the Bills have basically everybody of note back from last year's defense. Uh, they, they're going to have the crowd on their side. I, I would assume there's going to be some issues of communication for the Steelers' offense. You know, they're going to have to go to that silent count. The cadence is going to be all thrown off, and, and I wouldn't be shocked at all to see a false start here and there or a delay of game. So uh, it's going to be tough sledding for him, I think. But, uh, hey, one or two big runs or, or big plays the way he produced in that preseason game against the Lions, and, and I think he'll at least have uh, a little bit of an encouragement there if you're a Steelers fan hoping to see big things from him this year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's been the story other than the T.J. Watt news and, and, the, and the, the story surrounding his contract disputes, if you want to call it disputes, because we don't really know what happened. I mean, we saw T.J. Watt go into the, the Rooney office and, and leave, oh, the, leave the agents at the door, which disputes, which is what you kind of um, expected. I'm that one a little bit, fellas, if we're being completely honest. But maybe, you know, I guess we'll get asked about that little uh, – Yarn spun by hey, listen, Schefter. listen. Yeah, if Shefty that. reports it, all right, it's basically the gospel. Don't question anything, Mr. Batko. I just love picturing T.J. Watt in his usual cutoff sleeves, like at Art Rooney to his desk and like does a little <laughs> curtsies and is like, and now, sir, I'm going to go do some shoulder shrugs. <laughs> Thankfully, we don't have to talk about that anymore. Wes and I were just talking about that, how we were actually wrapping up our last segment, and I was saying, TJ, you got to recognize, like, Ben could be the best quarterback you ever play with. And then I stopped myself, and I said, what am I doing here? He's the locked deal, up. The deal's done. <laughs> the deal's I, done. I, I can stop talking hypotheticals. So I can, I can, I can shut up about TJ Watt. You made the sale, all right? Just let right, it happen. Exactly. But it's been Najee Harris who's been dominating headlines since minicamp, since training camp. I, and... I gotta, I'm just curious as to why you think that against this Buffalo Bills defense, which I think is more solid in the backfield, starting with the linebackers, than it is up front. And when you consider, I know he practiced yesterday, Star Little Lele just isn't 100%. Is it, is it because the offensive line for the Steelers is a little young and inexperienced that you don't see a big day for Najee Harris in week one? I think it's both, man. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this Steelers offensive line has has hardly played together at all. It's going to take some time for them to gel. If it doesn't, then, then I'll be surprised, I guess. And uh, Yeah, I mean, starting with Lele, the, the humongous uh, defensive tackle for the Bills would be a big loss, uh, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Right. But they've just got so many bodies that, that they can rotate through there. I mean, Ed Oliver, people forget how good he was uh, his last year at, at Houston. Um, you know, they, they added Greg Russo from Miami. Uh, this year as a, as a defensive end, as a pass rusher. Then you've got the old stalwarts like Gary Hughes and, and Vernon Butler. So they, they just, you know, they're going to be able to stay fresh. They, they were able to get a lot of pressure on the Steelers offensive line even when they had a more experienced group that was pretty good and, and pass pro. So, uh, yeah, I guess if you want to put the rose-colored glasses on, maybe these new uh, offensive line will be a little bit more physical, a little bit nastier, a little more athletic and create some, uh, you know, create some movement in the running game, I'd be more apt to agree with you on that if we'd seen much of it or any of it when they were all together in the preseason. We, we really did. It looked like the much of the same. And I'll go one further there. When you're putting on, on the Steelers' death chart, when you looked at the Steelers deciding to put not a tight end one and a tight end two, but just the two tight ends starting together, Eric Ebron and, and Pat Frymuth, when you combine that, Pat Frymuth, another rookie who could be riding, providing blocking. I mean, that's even more yeah. lack of inexperience. And then, of course, we know the, the lack of 
talent. I don't want to be too harsh on Eric Ebron and his blocking abilities, but it, they're obvious and they're prevalent. But you can you combine all of that together, and it, I don't. Yeah, you were putting on the rose colored glasses, but let me do the opposite. I mean, it, it could lead for a recipe for not disaster, but just not great success. But I do think it could be that, a slow start. I mean, Ben talked about that this week. I, I I do think though that we all can agree that Najee Harris doesn't need even an average offensive line to really pave the way for him to have a good day. Yeah, that's where he's going to be an upgrade over James Conner, I think. I mean, you, you've seen it already in the preseason. Uh, that first hit, he's, he's not going down on contact very easily or very often. He keeps those legs turning. Um, but that might only give you, you know, that might only add incremental value over what they were getting out of the running game uh, last year. It doesn't mean that there's going to be humongous holes open and he's going to be gashing the bills for seven, eight, nine, ten yards a pop. And you know, Right, I mean, I think the, you could argue that the strength of their defense is, is maybe even more in the secondary. I mean, Trey White is is probably the best player on that whole unit, but their linebackers are, are good too. I mean, they're not big names; they're sort of underrated outside of Tremaine Edmonds. But uh, AJ Klein and, and Matt Milano—they've just been tackling machines. Yeah, and Matt Milano is very that, underrated. Yeah, and a big part of that is because you know that defensive line. If they don't get to you, they're going to at least flush you to the second level and, and let those guys, or free, you know, take on blocks and free those guys up to make plays from that second level. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, our guest here in the locker room, presented by your neighborhood Ford store, buddy. You know, Jacob mentioned the Steelers' depth chart there. One thing that the Steelers have kind of been coy is how the secondary, how the defensive backs, uh, specifically the cornerbacks, are going to shake out. I think we all know that Joe Hayden is going to be one of the guys starting on the outside, but after that. In your opinion, how do you think this thing shakes out? Is it as simple as you leave Cam? If you're in base, you leave Cam Sutton out there. Uh, if you go sub package ball, you move Cam inside and maybe bring Pierre. Is that too many moving parts in your mind? How how would you kind of delegate the secondary, and and how do you think it plays out on Sunday? Yeah, that's that's another area of concern for me going into this one matchup wise. I mean, but let's just be honest. You know, the three four, the traditional base defense is, is not going to have much of a role in this game. I no. don't think Keith Butler even said that yesterday. The, the base defense uh, effectively will be the Steelers' nickel, which means you're going to have James Pierre at one of the outside corner spots, uh, you know, the one opposite Joe Hayden. And if the, if the Bills want to get him matched up on Stephon Diggs all day, they can do that pretty easily. And uh, that's the leading returning receiver in the NFL going against uh, – a former undrafted cornerback making his first start at this level. So, uh, again, you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith if you uh, want to have the Steelers with the edge in that one. So uh, it's going to be very difficult. I mean, Cole Beasley, too, is, is someone who makes them go as a slot receiver. Maybe Cam Sutton can, can neutralize him to an extent. But we know that, that Stephon Diggs was a major problem for the Steelers' secondary a year ago. Will James Pierre fare any better against him than Stephen Nelson did? Uh, maybe, but uh, it's it's you know certainly an unknown, uh, to put it nicely. I think this Bills receiving court, this may be a stretch here, but kind of reminds me of the receiving court you saw in the A-B era and for the Steelers, where you had a lot of good names, but the one guy that separated himself was A-B, was Stephon Diggs, and that allowed yeah. guys like opposing on opposing defenses for this case, Minka Fitzpatrick to focus on what Stefan Diggs will have to do, but that could open up a lot of opportunity for Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, even guys like Gabe Davis, I think could have big days. And I just don't know with Minka Fitzpatrick spending so much time on 
not not necessarily focusing, but having to turn his attention to Stefan Diggs on any given play. Do you think that the guys surrounding him, Terrell Edmonds, who is going to have to shore up the rest of the, the secondary, and then Cam Sutton, James Spear, who we know don't have a lot of starting experience, are they capable of just locking these guys down? They're not Stefan Diggs, but they're, they are legitimate options. Cole Beasley claims to be the best slot receiver in the NFL. I just said my thing may be a little far-fetched. That may be a little far-fetched, but the Steelers are very aware of the talents that Emmanuel Sanders can provide as well. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders, he's getting a little bit long in the tooth now for sure. Mm-hmm. But still Hayden on the other side, so that, that could be a, a veteran matchup there if, if they're going at it a lot. I mean, you make a good point. I mean, if you're going to provide a lot of help over top on Stephon Diggs, whether it's um, Mika Fitzpatrick or, or Terrell Edmonds, then that means the other guys in the secondary are, are going to have to win one-on-one. And, uh, I think you're right, Jake, that this is an underrated Bills receiving core to an extent. I mean, everybody knows about Diggs, but uh, I mean, I think Gabriel Davis is, is somebody who, uh, they've got good role allocation, put it that way. I mean, Davis is a deep threat who has to be reckoned with. Uh, we saw it uh, from him a couple times last year in his rookie season. He can really stretch the, the field against opposing secondaries, and the Steelers are going to have to account for that. That can open up things for Diggs and, and Beasley and even Sanders underneath. So uh, the Bills don't get a ton of uh, contribution from their tight ends, but I think that's a position that the Steelers feel like they can adequately cover, uh, so it doesn't necessarily play into their hands as far as what their defense is built to do. Uh, you, know, you put all that together and uh, good luck. It's, it, could be a long, it could be a long day for a defense that's also missing Stephon Tewitt up front, and we still don't know as we sit here right now on Friday morning if fellow pass rusher uh, Alex Heisman is going to be good to go. Yeah, a lot of questions as it relates to that defense, and it's certainly not an offense that you want to be facing shorthanded. Big part of that reason, guys, I mean, we, we've talked to wide receivers. we talked a lot about Buffalo. We still haven't mentioned Josh Allen to this point, a guy who was a <laughs> legitimate MVP candidate last year, almost a 4-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio, 46 total touchdowns last year, uh, over 4,500 passing yards. Brian, can can you know Josh Allen? I think the big knock for people who were against him was that he didn't take a huge leap from his first to second year. He got better, but not the leap that you quite often want to see from quarterbacks at that point. But boy, did he ever between his second and third season. His, his junior campaign was a fantastic one. You see anywhere? I mean, obviously he wants to continue to improve. Maybe the decision making. He did throw ten interceptions last year, but man, if Josh Allen even takes another half step forward, he is—he's legitimately one of the best five quarterbacks in the whole league. Yeah, he's an MVP candidate for good reason. And, and frankly, I, I know this sounds very doom and gloom this for me this winter, but I think he's going to have a huge day. I mean, we just went through, um, you know, all, all the the playmakers that he has at his disposal, and, you know, if, if the Steelers are trying to plaster their guys downfield too much, then, then yeah, he'll, he'll take off and run. Uh, he, he can hurt you between the, the 20s doing that, but especially once you get into the red zone as well. I mean, he's, he's really good at, uh, at finishing those plays uh, as a mobile quarterback, and I know Keith Butler said yesterday that the Steelers are going to try to make him feel it uh, if he does want to turn himself into a running back too often, but uh, that doesn't mean that, that he can't still hurt you with his wheels. We, we've seen quarterbacks do that to the Steelers over the years, uh, everybody from Lamar Jackson to, to Russell Wilson, and, and even the rollout-type stuff that, that Baker Mayfield and the Browns have had so much success against this defense with. It's just, uh, again, I mean, 
all, all we can do is, is look at this thing objectively and you know all the evidence that we have on paper and, and uh, it points to uh, it points to a bill's victory and, and maybe a decisive one because you're, you're right Wes, you don't want to face this offense short-handed on defense and you probably don't want to face in week one when you are uh, reshaping things and trying to replace a few guys who are very reliable for the last couple of years at least. Yeah, I think that's a fair thought process, Mr. Becko. Uh, last one before we do get your prediction here. Um, Devin Bush and Joe Schobert. How do you see that when the Steelers only have one of those guys on the field? Who is it going to be? Is that maybe not going to be the case? Are those two going to run together more than we expect? Or, or does it feel like Schobert's the guy now that wouldn't come off the field. How do you think kind of those snaps, those duties get delegated on Sunday? You know, I asked my comment about that Wednesday as they get into game week preparation, because right after they traded for Schober, remember he said that you know they, they don't have to make that decision now. They're going to evaluate it through the team building process, which I get. But uh, he said they're going to keep it somewhat mystical was the word he used, which is, in other words, we're not going to tell the Bills uh, the plan for the division of labor at inside linebacker. And as much as I think those two can be a really good tandem, especially if Devin Bush takes the next step, I'm writing uh, a big story on him for uh, this Sunday in the Post-Gazette if people want to check that out and uh, how he is he's kind of uh, almost a forgotten man a little bit after so much hype two years ago when he came in. Uh, if Bush can take that leap that, that he was maybe on the road to taking last year before the injury, those two are a really good inside linebacker tandem. But in this game particularly, something's got to give. I mean, we talked about all the receivers that the Bills uh, have, you know, all those errors and uh, quivers. It's, it's going to be difficult to cover them uh, with a, a 93 or a 55. You made guys wearing numbers in the 20s and 30s, and, uh, and the Steelers are, uh, they haven't worked as much with six defensive backs out there on the field as they had with Gilbert and Bush. So I think you'll see a lot of them together. But you could get into a situation game plan wise where the Bills just aren't letting you do that. Mm. Yeah, and we know how often the Bills like to run those three and four wide receiver sets, certainly. Brian Backo, our friend from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, kind enough to lend us some of his time. All right, for those of you that are familiar with the Steelers Blitz, throughout the season, myself, Motes, Brian Backo, we compete with predictions, your record against the spread. Do the, I get to make Motes' oh, pick for him? No, Motes, Motes gave me his pick uh, yesterday. I don't, don't know about that. Don't worry, Jake. Oh, Motes no, it's, a year, it's, a, it's all right. It's a year-long thing, all right? It's a year-long tradition between Motes and I and Mr. Backo. We're going to get you in on this today as well, Jacob. I got Arthur Motes' prediction. Jacob and I will give ours before we get out of here in the next hour of the show. But Mr. Backo, week number one, the Bills, favored by six and a half. That's what we're sticking with as the spread, your prediction, sir? Well, among all the predictions I've seen from my media brethren here in, in town and even some in Buffalo, have not seen anybody picking the Steelers in this one, and I'm not going to either. Uh, I think the Bills win, and I think they cover. I'm going to go Buffalo 31, Pittsburgh 17, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, what Moats has up his sleeve, but... Uh, you know, being the this being the most bowl between the Bills and the Steelers, I'll be pretty curious to hear his projection. All right, you ready for this, Mister Backo? Between between yeah. me and you, all right. Don't tell anybody else I said this. <laughs> Moats thinks it's going to be uglier than you do, but we'll get to his prediction in yeah, the next hour of the show. Brian Backo of the Post Gazette, kind enough to join us from practice. Thanks so much for your time, as always, buddy. We'll talk Thanks, soon. Brian. Yep. Have a good weekend, guys. You. Yeah. 
as well. Brian Backo, one of my favorite young voices covering the Steelers in this town. He of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette wrote a great heartwarming piece today about how this will be his first Steelers season without his grandmother. Uh, he grew up going to Steelers games with his grandmother and man, that one, I, I couldn't even ask Backo about it because when I read it today, I got jammed up thinking about going to WVU games with my grandpa growing up. Um, if, if, if the Steelers, if going to football games in general has been a big part of your life, your family relationships, make sure you're checking out Brian's piece today in the Post-Gazette. Just a fantastic article um, about all the, the Steelers, memory, Steelers memories pardon me, um, that he had growing up with his grandmother and how much he'll miss her heading in to this season. Jacob Recht, Wesley Euler. We are in the locker room. You want to get involved, you can tweet us at Wesley Euler at Jakey Recht. Reminder, we got a few already. If you tweet us your prediction, your score predictions, we will read that off in the last hour of the show before we get out of here, before we give our predictions. On the other side, we'll continue to look ahead to the Buffalo Bills as we close out the first hour of the show. We'll also get to some of your calls on the phone lines, 412-919-1316. Those are the digits to dial. You're in the locker room with Wesley Euler and Jacob Recht, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Closing out the first hour here in the locker room. Wesley Euler, Jacob Recht, getting you ready for Steelers-Bills on Sunday. The season opener up in Buffalo had the, well, the season opener for the Steelers, I should say. The NFL season opener last night, an exciting one between the Bucks and the Cowboys. Maybe we'll discuss that for a few minutes at some point here. But I wanted to get to some of your all's reaction. Let's go to the phone lines, 412 412- 919-1316. Those are the digits to dial if you want to join in on the conversation. Our buddy Juan in Charleston, South Carolina, who's going as Wally in honor of Tunch this season. What's up, Wally? Hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? We're good, man. We're good. Juan, what's, my guy. what's on your mind, buddy? Hey, Wes, you forget to play the song for um, Young Gicko. You got to welcome to the party, pal. He want to sit with you. <laughs> See, I haven't been doing the I haven't been doing the diehard drops this week, Juan. I've been doing this weird thing, right, where you know Moats and I are still doing some of the bells and whistles that we do, but I've also been trying to you know, button it up a little bit more because this is in the locker room and we're kind of placeholding for for Wolf and Starks here. Yeah, you know what, too, Wes is getting older. He's on the wrong side of thirty. I'm on the wrong. Like oh, please. Oh, I'm on the please. right side of thirty. So Wes is trying to act, you know, the professional, the veteran in front of the young, the real young gun here. But don't worry, Juan. We'll have we'll have Five Star Friday coming up here in about twelve minutes, and then I'll sing the Here We Go song before we get out of here. You best believe it. Well, um, I just want to tell Jacob, um, good job with the show he do on the weekends. I be listening all the time. So wow, my man, I I'm love that. Thank you. That all right, no problem. All right, let's talk about TJA. You gotta love the guy, man. The guy, the guy tells us, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to Mr. Rooney myself. Get the deal done. The agency, you gotta get him more money. TJ said, no, I'm just going to sign it and go work out. Yeah, that's that's that's. I mean, that's TJ Watt. That's the Watt family right there, right? I mean, we know they're. They're football junkies. They're workout junkies. You know, we kind of talked about this a little bit at the, at the start of the show, Juan. Like, it feels like for T.J. Watt, it just got to that point where he was like, you know what? The money's good. I don't need to pinch a couple extra pennies. They're going to make me the highest paid defensive player in the league. They're going to give me this guaranteed money. That's what I wanted. Uh, let's get this thing done and, and so I can get back there and out focused and get this distraction out of the way ahead of Buffalo. Uh, you, you love to see how it all came together for sure. We certainly did not want this playing out any longer. No, I, I I had a feeling it was going to get done because 
we know the Steelers where they always they play hardball, but when it comes down to getting the guys down there, get it done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think there was any situation that they were ever going to let T.J. Watt um, potentially leave the Steelers organization in the prime of his career, whether it be next summer or the summer after that. We all think he's got a nice, uh, nice few, more than few years left here still, certainly. Let me ask you, Juan, before we let you go, you got a prediction for us for Sunday? Yeah, you know me. I believe black and gold. I knew it, Juan. I I knew you were my guy. I'm going with the opposite. I'm going black and gold, 21, Buffalo 17. 21 to 17 Steelers. Wally is on the board. Juan, who do you like to score in this game for the Steelers? Well, you know I'm an Alabama guy, so I think Najee's going to get two on the ground. Two on the ground. I'll Two on the ground. That's that's quite the diametric op- opposite from what Brian Bacco was predicting earlier. No, I, I love it. See, this is why we love Prediction Day on the show. So Juan's got 21-17 Steelers with two touchdowns by the rookie. Najee had two touchdowns for 22 in his first NFL game. Start. I think we would all take that. Wally, uh, great chatting with you this week, buddy. Uh, thanks for calling in, and we'll talk soon. All right, have a good weekend, guys. Thank you. You too, partner. There he goes, our resident stiller and Alabama expert down in Charleston, South Carolina. Jacob, we got a tweet here. Yeah, it's here. From one of our loyal listeners, me, okay? That's his, that's his name this on Twitter. Wes. No, no, no. That's his name on Twitter. Is I know. This is, confuses a lot of people. Me is his name on Twitter, and he always tweets us three questions. All right? Usually two are football-related, and then one's food or, mm-hmm. or funny-related. Number one, if they were both in their primes right now, who would get a bigger contract, JJ or TJ? In their primes? I think, I think it's, it's JJ. JJ. Yeah. JJ was hitting in that. He had twenty. He sacks had over twenty sacks twice. Twice in mm-hmm. back-to-back seasons. JJ was also getting the defensive player of the year recognition, which helps. Led JJ the league, also wasn't led going, the league in tackles for loss three times. Did JJ what? JJ also wasn't going up against what we call the once in a generational talent, Aaron Donald. He had that field all locked up to himself. I. I I think just when you it's consider that he's against, yeah no it's absolutely not CJ. but like when you go to a contract negotiation with two defensive player of the year trophies on the mm-hmm. table you, you he would not an astronomical amount more but mm-hmm. I think I think he would would get a little bit more I mean I still think to this day it's egregious that Stefan Gilmore won the defensive player of the year over TJ last year agreed and then you can't fault him for losing to Aaron Donald or sorry two years ago you can't fault him for losing to Aaron Donald this past year because it's Aaron Donald. And Tom actually made a really good point saying the NFL kind of loves to do this thing where they stack awards to kind of separate certain guys. But if that's the case, this was my counter argument. Why give it to Stefan Gilmore? Stefan Gilmore sure was an all pro for those first for those two years, 2018, 2019. It's done really. I mean, I don't want to say he's done nothing, but he's nowhere near that level of TJ Watt, JJ Watt. Aaron Donald in terms of impact. Yeah. You led you led the league in interceptions for a year. Congratulations. Well, if that was the case, then Xavier Howard should have won Defensive Player of the Year last year. I mean, it's it's stupid of me to say that because that's what Troy Palomalo did the year that he won. But Troy is in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if Stephon Gilmore is ever going to be sniffing the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, Stephon Gilmore had a really good season in 2019 for sure. But yeah, I don't I, think I, anywhere near I'm as impactful as TJ's yeah. did. Yeah. Second question from me is who has the bigger season, Najee Harris or Nick Chubb? That's tough. Uh, relative, I mean, you, like, 
if we're doing it relatively, like what? Like you just made like, like I, yards I think, straight up. I guess bigger bigger touchdowns. season. I would probably say yards and touchdowns. I would say Chubb. I would say only Chubb. because he's been there, done that before. He's got arguably the best offensive line in football. And that's the thing too is the fact that not only are they a better offensive line, that team favors the run compared to the Steelers. I, I, I hope, you know, compared to the last two years, 2019, 2020, maybe even back to 2018, the Steelers don't favor the pass as much as they do. But I'm still much more confident in our passing offense than the Browns. Yes. So you can't fault me for saying Nick Chubb only because that's a run first team. Agree with everything you just said there. But I'll say I think I don't think it'll be like he's in a completely dist- different stratosphere than Najee. You know, maybe no, a couple more no. touchdowns, a couple more hundred yards. But I think it, it that'll that'll you know, prove Najee's worth nicely that, hey, look at Nick Chubb. He's in the perfect situation. Mm-hmm. And look at Najee. He's got an offensive line with a bunch of rookies and a bunch of unproven guys. But I do just think purely on paper, you're right. When we look at yards and touchdowns at the end of the season, Nick Chubb, I mean, other than Derrick Henry, he might be the best. I think he's number He might two. have the most stats of, of yeah. anyone by the time that this, this year's said and done, as long as he's obviously able to stay healthy. Third and final question from me, Jacob, and this is where it always gets good, right? This is what we come for. Oh, boy. Me wants to know, is a smoked brisket sandwich the best sandwich of all time, or is it overrated? No, I got to go. In between. I know what my number one is, and I had it for dinner last night. What'd you have? I had a fried chicken sandwich for dinner last oh, night. That yeah. is number one. That is smoked brisket. I can it's cook great. that. It's great. I don't know what I have in number it's two It's definitely or three. not overrated. A, br- oh, a brisket not, sandwich is definitely, definitely not overrated. Wes, really quickly before we head to break, my sister is a senior at Tulane University, okay. which is in New Orleans. Yep. They just got displaced. They had to be evacuated because of Hurricane Ida. Where they went, Austin, Texas. Oh, so I, oh, I call her. I get go, you some brisket, sister. I call her. What are you going to have to eat when you go down there? She goes, I don't know, but it's going to be good. And she actually just got home. She's. They still have to stay out of the city for a couple more weeks, but she just came home showing me all of these pictures of the food oh. she ate. And you know... You you can name it the the one place Franklin's I asked her, she barbecue didn't hit it it was oh! closed it was closed that's the that's the that's the holy church that's the Sistine Chapel of brisket of brisket I mean I I've never had it myself I, I have you have like oh, twenty eighteen one of my college one I of my old college that. roommates Your got married there, right yeah. well his his wife's family okay. was from there so they got married in Austin Texas. And you know, I mean, we got up and and went and got in line at like nine in the morning and now, waited for them to open. And now, right now, great. I've said, you know, I've been to Nashville, I've been to you know South Carolina where they do fried chicken for real. So I, I can say I've had really good fried chicken. Fried chicken. I've yet to go to the Mecca. You got Franklin's you gotta barbecue, go to Franklin's in, barbecue so in Austin, it, Texas. It's if not you're a out of person. this world for me to say the day I go there, that could be the day where the smoked brisket sandwich supplants. <laughs> Fried chicken sandwich and my, and my sandwich rankings, tiers, rankings, whatever you want to call them. Really quick follow-up question to that, though. This came across the, the, the ticker as a, a goofy segment on First Take. is a taco a sandwich. This is a long, oh, long, this long is a time to hot dog debate. a sandwich is a taco a sandwich. See, I'm more inclined to call a hot dog a sandwich than I am a taco. Taco's not a sandwich. If anything, it's a wrap. You could call it a wrap. Before right. you could call it's it a sandwich. A, it's, it's used by, it's, it's formed by a wrap. Correct. Ain't no, ain't no bread. It's a no. tortilla. No, I just figured I'd shoot that. Jacob, shoot that I, I, I see what you're doing there. The, but you know what the best sandwich of all time is? It's just your classic Italian. Your classic Italian oh. hoagie. 
is tough to beat. I love a fried chicken. I love a brisket sandwich, pulled pork, meatball, Mm. turkey sandwich. You name it, I'm in there. I even like the occasional roast beast. But to me, a good Italian hoagie stands alone. We got to get to break here, but when we come back, we'll get to more of your reaction. You could tweet us. You could call us. We've got five-star Friday when we return. What are the five biggest matchups that are going to determine the outcome on Sunday? Well, Arthur Motes will let you know when we come back for Hour 2. In the Locker Room, presented by your neighborhood Ford store, Jacob Recht, Wesley Euler on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. 